You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. We call it slicking the bean, choking the chicken, giving yourself a hand, auditioning finger puppets. There's a million and one names for the old five-finger shuffle, and yet hundreds of millions of people are unable to sauce the taco due to disability, aging, or illness. That's where we come in, if you'll pardon the phrase. At Bumpin', we've created the world's first accessible sex toy, so people with limited mobility, hand issues, and disabilities can celebrate Palm Sunday just like everyone else. If you agree that everyone deserves sexual pleasure, help us spread the self-love and fund an orgasm for those in need. Give the gift of the big O at getbumpin.com. That's G-E-T-B-U-M-P-N dot com. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your deliciously disabled daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get today started, shall we? First things first, I want to thank the folks that 
put their money down to keep the bright light shining on this show. Thank you, thank you for your support, and they support our Patreon page. So, for their pledge, I will give a weird, awkward shout-out on the air. And today's weird, awkward shout-out goes to Thomas Height. And Thomas Height, you are alright. Thank you so much for your $1 pledge. And for your pledge, you get to keep, you get to, you get to listen, not keep, you get to listen to the show one day early, completely ad-free, over on the Patreon feed at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. If you want your weird, unrehearsed shout-out on the air, consider pledging as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month or more, if that works for your budget. As well, you can do a yearly amount, which works for a lot of disabled folks and is more manageable for them, so consider that if you want to. You can also make a one-off donation by going to my paypal.com slash... Sorry, paypal.me slash Andrew Gerza. And you can make a one-off donation, put in the subject line Disability After Dark, and I'll know it was you and I'll still give you a shout-out. So consider that as well. Alright, but now let's get to the show today. If you're a long-time listener of the show, you've heard me go over some, some media that depicts disability and tear it the fuck to shreds. Because I think a lot of the media that is depicted around disability is really bad and needs to be torn down and talked about from a disability-centric lens. Well, today I am so excited to share with you an interview with two co-creators of a really amazing Australian show. Well, it's actually an international show because I found it in Canada. So it's being shown in Australia through SBS and on in Canada through CBC Gem. So if you're in the U.S. and you're like, how do I access that? I would highly recommend getting a VPN and uh, and doing it that way because then you can access the content. But I speak today to the co-creators of a really cool Australian show called Latecomers, which talks all about sex and disability and actually features two real-life disabled people. My friends... Emma Myers and Angus Thompson are the co-creators of this great show, and I interviewed them both over the holidays, and I wanted to bring this interview to you. This this show is so perfectly written and encompasses the experience of being disabled and trying to have sex and trying to date and trying to be trying to be sexy and fun and flirty, and it it does so many great things to advance the representation of disabled people in the media. I couldn't speak any more highly of it. It was written by two amazing disabled people, which you'll hear from today, Angus and Emma. It features disabled actors like Hannah Diveny and Angus Thompson. So much good stuff in this show. I am so excited for you to hear the interview with my friends, Angus and Emma. I recorded with them both over the holidays. We did it separately. So, you'll hear Emma's interview first, and then we'll move on to Angus. But it was such a really cool show to sit down and talk to them about why the show's important, why we need more representation, what it was like to bring that representation to the screen. So many good things. I'm so excited to bring you this super-sized, super-jam-packed episode of Disability After Dark. 
with my friends, the co-creators of Latecomers, Angus Thompson and, and Emma Myers, right now on Disability After Dark. Emma Myers, hello! Hello! Hi, how are you? I'm very well, yourself? I am so much better for seeing you and having you on the show today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, I just, well, the listeners will have heard me just finish. Actually, I haven't put it together yet. So they'll either have just heard me finish talking to your co-creator, Angus, or they're just about to hear me talk to your co-creator, Angus. But I am so excited to bring you on today to talk about your new show, Latecomers, because it's... One of my favorite things about disability that I've ever seen on television ever. Um, so I'm so excited to have you here. I cannot wait to talk about it. How are you? But that's how I am today. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much. It's, it's truly been, oh, just an out of this world experience. It's one of it's, the best, it's the best thing I've I, ever done. It's, you, and you should be so proud. It is without a doubt. One of the most important pieces of 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 television for disability representation that I've seen in a long time, maybe ever, possibly ever. It was it was really really important. So before we jump into all that and talk about late covers, I want to back up a little bit and say. So what I like to do when I bring somebody on the show is I like to ask you, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do? Sure. Uh, I am a 28-year-old um, woman from uh, Newcastle, Australia. Um, oh, and my name's Emma, obviously. Um, and um, I am a screenwriter slash journalist. Amazing, amazing. Um, and you. And so the next question that I like to ask people is. Um, what what are your disabilities and how do they play a role in your day-to-day life? So I have a toxic cerebral palsy and I'm an ambulant wheelchair user. So um, I use my chair for long distances, like going to the shopping centre or, um, you know, uh, pop crawls. Um, um, As you do. Uh, Actually, I've never done that, but like you get the gist. I can't. Yeah, yeah. And I can't walk down Main Street without being in my chair. But I can um, go to the movies or um, go into a restaurant without my chair, as long as I'm dropped at the front door. Um, and I don't use it at home either. But in saying that, um, I have a lot of dexterity issues um and it kind of and I live in a very isolated area where it's like I'm I'm lucky because I've grown up living on a golf course resort um and so I know know my neighbors my neighbors more like family than my extended family um however um we live um, about 20 minutes out from the nearest town and there's only like one or two wheelchair taxis 
And so you can't really be spontaneous and say, yeah. I'm going to go out and do this. And also because it's in a very touristy area, taxi prices are insane. So Yeah, yeah, totally exorbitant. And I remember from being, and so are you, are you close to Sydney then or? Uh, no, no, I'm kind of two hours out from Sydney. Um, I live okay. in like a winery region, so I'm surrounded by beautiful wineries, fantastic food, you know. The, That's kind of cool. The vineyard next door hosts concerts year round. Everything from Elton John to um to Cindy Lauper, um, wow. and, um, and so I can just technically I can drive my chair through the vines to the concert and drive back home. That's the only, but like the the markets around and it's just a beautiful area. It's like it's like a vacation twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. Well, next time I come to Australia. I'm gonna. I'll give you a ring and we'll figure it out because that sounds oh, fun. That sounds great. Please do. That sounds amazing. Um, so I can't stop gushing about your show. I've watched it twice, twice through, all the way through now, all six episodes twice because I fell in love with it, and it's just such a powerful show. And you've so you've co-written Latecomers with Angus Thompson about. Two people with disabilities and their journey to, I think I would say they're discovering sexuality and discovering themselves and also, also just the world around them. How would you describe Latecomers? And if you could give us like an elevator pitch, what would you, how would you do it? Uh, Latecomers is a comedy drama about two people with the varying, um, conditions of cerebral palsy. Um, who are t- who were kind of just at the wit's end when it comes to trying to find um non platonic trying to form non platonic relationships with people and it's pretty much about being horny in your mid to late twenties and um and just really wanting to get laid and pretty much having your your chair at actor the chastity belt for that. Um and um and um so the ca- one of the characters, the female character is um studying sex and disability in literature at university, which is kind of a um offshoot of what I've just finished. Um which is sex, gender and disability on screen. Um, from the perspective of a woman with physical disabilities. Um, and she kind of, she's kind of convinced herself on the personal as well as an academic level that, that there's just no way that any able-bodied guy will ever look at her. And then, um, without giving too much away, um, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that Angus and I gave most of it away. But, but, oh, so. okay, okay. Well, then she ended up sleeping with um the best friend of the disabled the guy with 
terrible pull of these um best mate. Yeah, oh. I think Frank's the best mate. <laughs> yeah, I found the character of Sarah to be I liked her character arc because at the beginning she's very very closed off and is very like I'm she almost had an air of like when when her and Frank are in the room together, hearing listening to the carers have sex, she almost had an air of like I'm clearly better than Frank, and I'm gonna like gently prove to him that I'm a little bit better. Yeah, you know, by saying that I that I have that I study sex I'm and gender. Educated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I like that her character, um, played so brilliantly by Hannah Divini. Wow. Said I was blown away by by her portrayal because it was so real. But you know that character is kind of stuffy at the beginning, and then as the as the show goes on, she relaxes a bit and she starts to like you start to see her break out of her shell a little bit, not entirely, but a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't think she's stuffy. I just think that she's convinced herself. From what she's read, to back up her own point of view, that she's just kind of locked herself up to fear that. Yeah, she's... yeah. And I personally, I don't see that as stuffy. I mean, I'm sure my co-creators would disagree, but um, because it is stuffy may have been the, been yeah. the wrong choice of words on my end. Yeah. I meant more like no, yeah, no, but no. Yeah. It's it's your opinion. It's it's fine, um, but like, I, I think she's more just really cautious. Yeah, yeah. I think I would. I think I would put herself out there because she knows logist. She knows like that statistically how it will end. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think I would change my word from Stubby to Kajus. I agree. She was really cautious and she's using the stats around sex and disability to almost as a shield to like, well, yeah. I'll, you're not going to fuck me. So I'll spell these numbers at you and then I'll, I'll be safe. And so yeah. what I love she was played that way. And, and I like the, her, I like the, the, ca- the over cautiousness of her character. In contrast to Frank, who was like balls to the wall, I'm gonna go drink with my mates. I'm gonna put on this big bravado of like, yeah, let's go get girls, blah blah blah. But underneath all that, Frank is, I think, a lot more vulnerable than he let on. And mm. I liked, I liked seeing the interplay between those two characters a lot. Yeah, and I think that, like, as we were saying before, I think that kind of gender comes into it as well like like I feel like I guess I guess about 80 85 percent of the character of Sarah is based on my own thoughts and feelings and I mean uh Sarah gets a lot more experience and a lot more world worldly um experiences than I've had um, in terms of sex, but um, but like I think that um, gender kind of comes into it as well because you've got the bros like let's go get drunk with my mates, the bros attitude, and yeah. um, and like, but like 
I don't think, and Frank and Sarah come from completely different backgrounds as well. Like Sarah lives at home with her mum and has been very sheltered as well. And so all she knows is from what she's read and seen, whether Frank has more worldly experiences and tries to kind of puff his chest out a bit about that. Um, yeah. I think what's beautiful is that Sarah kind of sees completely through Frank's bravado. Oh, right away. She's like, you're, you're, you're an asshole. I know that. Like, <laughs> like, a fuck boy, actually. Fuck boy Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds about right. And you know, thinking back on the character, yeah, he was a bit of a fuckboy. Um, and I, I was saying to Angus when we recorded, I said, told him that I like that Frank was flawed. I like that he was a bit of a jerk. I like that he made mistakes in the series. And if you're in Canada and Australia, you need to get on this series right away because we're going to give away spoilers now. I like that. Um, I just liked how each character was written as a whole person and, mm-hmm. They weren't stereotypes of, of disability. They weren't inspirational necessarily. They were just people trying to figure it out. And I think what struck me when watching it, like when we, when I was done the six episodes, I was like, okay, we're seven. What do you mean we're done? We can't be, there needs to be more. I'm so it's, angry. It's interesting because they've been pitching it where we're like, oh, there's so many things that we could do with this. Or like, I wanted to get Sarah pregnant um, because, um, you know, pregnancy and and mothers with disabilities are rarely seen on screen. Like mothers who were born disabled or were born with a disability, they're rarely, rarely, if ever, seen. And if they are, it's after they've had the baby or after they've had a kid, not the process of carrying a kid to term. And um yeah. and and I do think that's something that should like we've we've kind I of would... we've been talking unofficially about ideas for a, a second season, but we'll see how we go. Come on, SBS. I was saying when I recorded with Angus, uh, I was saying, like, I said multiple times, as you've all heard or will hear, I haven't put it together yet. Whenever, whichever one comes first, you'll hear it. But I, <laughs> you know, I said to Angus, um, and I said to, on the podcast, I was like, SBS, come on, season two, season two. Um, what was, when you were creating the show, like, why was it important for you to put this on screen? And why was it important for you to even write it? Look, we've never really seen, as you said it yourself, we've never really seen fully developed characters with disabilities experiencing sex and love and sex and non-platonic relationships in a wholeheartedly authentic way. And it was important to me, to me personally, because I can count on, on one hand the times that I felt connected to a character and I wouldn't even need all of my fingers to do that. Um, and, and so, you know, I thought now is the perfect time to do it. And 
so that the next generation of of people born with disabilities can look at this show and, like, especially as teenagers, you know. Oh, man, if I had this show as a teenager, if I had that as a teenager... Would I have ever felt seen in a way that I didn't when I was when I was coming up? Wow. I mean, I mean, like as a teenager, like <laughs> it's like you go into puberty, you already feel out of the place, and then and then but you're but you have the knowledge that you'll grow out of puberty, but you will never grow out of your disability. And so you were all, so like, I I can just remember like me me at sixteen, seventeen, staring down the barrel of what comes after high school, and just staring into this abyss of nothingness, and just going, no one will hire me. I can't even get the job at fucking McDonald's, um, and like and like. I'll never have a job. I'll never be able to support myself. I'll never be able to do this. Um, I'll never be able to meet someone and have a family because, um, a lot of what's shown on TV, if you're not, if you haven't been directly on in indirectly touched by disability, you know, all you know is what you've seen on screen, and that's really yeah. really depressing in itself. Because it's just not accurate, and the times I've watched disability on screen and and like a story about them finding love and everything, it's either been so it's either been so sanitized or so or so as inspirational or or they've got cancer so that one of them dies or um. Or, yeah, or, or one of them goes to kill themselves, or, or yeah, or like, like that the disabled character almost never ends up walk um wheeling into the sunset with the other half. Oh, no, the disabled uh, character is supposed to fuck a fish. <laughs> yeah, or or fuck a fish and live underwater and gain an Oscar, <laughs> um, because apparently that's art, and um. <laughs> Every everyone knows that if you want to win an Oscar, just play the disability card. Yeah, right. I mean, oh, oh, well, but, but only only non-disabled actors can play disabled characters. Of course, because, of course. Because you, you're then allowed to find them attractive because they can shake off the disability afterwards and and be Brad Pitt again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I mean that's what I that's what I that's what I really loved about this series. From the second I turned it on and the second I started watching it, I started to tear up because I was like, Oh my god, this is it's me. Like it's a version of me that I can relate to. And I like well, uh the characters were in some like, you know, T V esque type things. Like I don't think that I've ever been in a room when my two characters are fucking. But I've definitely been in a room when, you know, when, when I needed help with something. And I've definitely like had crushes on the keyboard that had to help me. And mm-hmm. like I've definitely d- had those things. And so to see it played out so 
honestly was just really it's both groundbreaking but also it's upsetting that this is where we are like that in 2023 we have we don't see so many more of these like it's such an important piece of work that you put out i oh sorry i always i always kind of I always kind of think of disability like when you say it in the media and you say these issues being talked about on on the news and everything. Like I feel like disability is the unpopular minority to to get behind. Like like you've had you've had racial issues, you've had gay rights issues, you've had women women's issues and you've had all of these all of these um protests and there's been thousands of people turned up and everything but when there's protests surrounding disability you'll probably only have a few hundred at best and yeah because it's not it's not the popular minority topic to get by you know and again it's not sexy like it's not like in vogue and it's not but the thing is when you think about it disability disability is the only minority group that anyone can become a part of at any time and say that one more time because i love it and i think people need to hear it again what do you say that again disability is the only minority group that anyone can join at it not join anyone can be a part of at any given time yes people know i'll say that again just disability is the only minority group that anyone can become a part of at any given moment in their life and that's something that we need to think about when we're talking about disabled issues yeah, I couldn't agree more. I say it all the time, and I try to gently lead people down the path of like, hey, you're going to be one of us one day, so you're still going to want to have great sex, and we should talk about that now. Honestly, honestly, I think I'd rather just hit people over the head with it sometimes, because that's the only way it's going to sink in. <laughs> yes, it's true. So, I mean, sometimes you have to. One of the things I love about the characters in the show, especially the non-disabled characters, so I'm thinking of Elliot and I'm thinking of, I can't remember. Brandy. Their, yeah, Brandy. What was it like working with the two leading non-disabled actors in the show um, and oh, getting look, them getting them kind of used to disability? Oh, look, Um, so Patrick Genoir, who plays... Elliot, PJ, or we just call him PJ. Um, we, um, he actually did a podcast, um, I think just in the days following like comments of release. And I didn't know this until I listened to it, but he was actually a, a care, a, um, teaching assistant carer. Um, um oh, wow. Primary, for primary school kids, or what do you call primary school over there? Elementary, or yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elementary school kids, and so that was really, really interesting and quite positive to hear. The same with um, 
I'm not entirely sure um, Miriam Smith. I'm not entirely sure of her connection to disability. I think she has one. But honestly, I was just ecstatic when I was reading her credits and found out she was in seeing the warrior princess so i'm like yeah wow that's cool that's so cool um and like she's just brandy could have easily been like this older swaggy person but but miriam just brings absolute joy and warmth such class to that character yeah yeah and i i like both of them I mean, both. Um, I mean, sorry. Just uh, oh, go ahead. The character of Brandy. Um, a fair bit of her was based on, um, someone that I, an acquaintance of mine who would pretty much use me to go out to bars and pick up guys and just leave me hanging. Oh, and wow. so, and so, and actually. Angus came up with her original name and I'm like, we have to change that because that's actually the name of this person. <laughs> uh, oops. And I'm um, like, oh, what's a swaggy name that can all... Oh, no, no offense to anyone called Brandy out there, but like... <laughs> to, all, to all the Brandys listening, we love you and we support you and Brandy's we a great name. I think Brandy Brandy is just a real party girl name, and like, and like, actually, when we um were in development, um, our production, um, one of the production, uh, companies said, "Is there any way we can change the name of Brandy because it's not really an Australian name that you hear quite a lot." But I'm like, it's yeah. kind of American, and I'm like, well, yeah, but Sheila is, you know, the the broadest Australian term for a woman. But yeah, I yeah. know I know about three Sheilas who are American, so I'm like, no, I think we're gonna keep Brandy, and so we did. <laughs> what was it like for you and Angus to be in those meetings? As two disabled people pitching this show, probably to a bunch of executives who didn't live with disabilities, who never experienced disability, who who want to, you know, who are listening to this pitch, being like, uh, "How the how are we going to market this? Like, how, what was it like sitting in there and being like, here's why you should listen, why you should put this show on the air?'" Um, that's a great question because um. This is the first. Sorry, can you hear that dog? No. Okay. So, sorry to the audience. Um, oh, don't worry. It's all you good. Can, you can edit that out. Um. <laughs> anyway, I um, might. We'll we'll see how my dexterity is on editing day. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, um. Yeah, that's a great question because this is my first uh TV show. This is my first ever. Um, for a how cool is, how cool is that to say as like a no. as somebody with CP? How cool is it to be like this is my first TV show? Like that's pretty awesome. I think we should like clap to that because it's pretty cool. Um, 
look, it's it's an insane, like, I still have pinch me moments. Um, and, like, it's, like, I never thought becoming a screenwriter and becoming a content maker for screen and television will be an actual realistic career path for someone like myself. And so when it happened, it was just kind of, I used my one jump a year because I can kind of, like I don't have the spring, the spring like up and down as it were, but like I can put all of my effort into like, Jumping once and then like the one jump, yeah, yeah, an eighty percent chance of me landing on my feet. The, the <laughs> other twenty percent doesn't go down so well, but I ended up using my one jump a year as I call it, um, because it was just just ecstatic that that we managed to have the project be greenlit. So I can't speak on Angus's behalf, but I had no clue what I was doing. I had absolutely no clue what they wanted to see, how to pitch it. Like, all I knew was, again, I've just finished my second degree, so I just relied on my own experiences, thoughts and feelings around all of this as someone who's never been in a, a relationship, never had sex, big kids, never orgasmed. Um, and um, well, you couldn't see audience was Emma just like side whispered that it was really funny. Never orgasmed. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but like, had... but like, I, I kind of used all of that as well as as well as my research into this area to to justify why this needed to be made and yeah. and I guess because they they saw my complete and utter honesty and earnestness and I guess that was part for of someone it. who you know for someone who's never had sex as you as you just told us and thank you for being so vulnerable to the people that's to to telling the podcast listeners. Um, for someone who's never had sex, that scene between Elliot and Sarah was pretty steamy. I gotta say, I was like, wow. Yeah, and considering I think I think the actress Hannah um is in the same position because cause um as me, because I I met her on set the day after they found that and I just went up to her and like, are you like how was it? Are you okay? Do you need to talk about anything? Yeah, because yeah. I, because I know we had an intimacy coordinator and the way that they explained it, it's kind of like any other choreography, only without clothes on. Um and anyway yeah, um, I, I worked with it I worked with an intimacy coordinator when I did um Queer as Folk and you I did Queer as Folk? Yeah, I was lucky enough to be a consultant on that show and I got, they asked me to come down and film, film for a day. So I got to fly to, um, New Orleans last year and do a day, do a oh, couple man, days there. Watch it. It's been on my, it's been on my radar, but I've never watched it. Same with Queer Eye. Episode like four. 
I love is... Jonathan. Jonathan from Queer Eye is my idol. I mean, <laughs> JVN, call me. Let's do a thing together. But you know, I work with I work with an industry coordinator for Queer Folk, and it is it is like any other choreography. You just you know that it's going to be sexualized, and you know that it's going to be, but you know you're going to be safe, and they they talk yeah. to you beforehand, and they and give you a whole discussion about. Gonna be a close set. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like And they like but, the whole time I did it we had people walking around the set as we we're supposed to be simulating the sex, being like, Okay, do this, put your hand here, make a face yeah. like this. They were really careful to make sure, are you okay? Are you comfy with this? I mean I mean like the sex scene in like comments with Sarah and Elliot. Um we we wrote but at the same time we wanted to give whoever played the characters free reign to do what they were comfortable with. And so, like, that was the most awkward and strange experience trying to write a sex scene because, because the, I was only, I could only rely on what I'd read in like erotica and, um, and, um, <laughs> And and seen on screen because um, mind you, speaking about erotica, um, I like when we were writing the scene in the bookshop, which half of it got cut for time, but like I had to write about eight lines of erotic dialogue, and and my co-creators Angus and Nina were like, right. Emma's, Emma's admitted to reading steamy sex scenes in, in novels. She can write that bit. And so I'm, oh, I'm, just, like, I'm just like pulling shit from my head. Um, I mean, you did, a, you did a pretty good job. I, I want to kind of pull back from the series, but you mentioned like you haven't had sex, you've never been kissed, you haven't orgasmed which is a lot to tell up the world. Thank you again for your vulnerability there. How does it feel to like, is that, are those things that you're, that you want to experience that you're wishing you could experience? Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, I think it's only natural to want to experience that because if we, if we go back to like basic instincts, not the movie, but our true thoughts. Um, <laughs> funny boy. Like, <laughs> not um, the movie, but our true self. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, you know, if we go to like back to animal, animal instinct, it's certainly not true to have those, those, um, those desires and those wants and needs, you know? Um, and that's what we're, again makes us all the same is that we all have that feeling, like, even though, I mean, I can't speak for, I can only speak for myself. But I think that, you know, it's only natural to want those things. And, um, and, you know, I'm turning 29 this year. You know, I'm closer to, um, 34, which is when, um, you know, my biological clock starts running on empty and, and I'm just going, I want kids. Do I freeze my eggs or do I try and, adopt someone but then adoption is quite hard in the in Australia and 
um and i doubt that i'd um be given the opportunity yeah it's probably even harder because of your disabilities like you can go well i mean i mean i mean legally it says i've i've researched the kinds of people who can adopt and it says single people with a disability but there's one thing on paper and then other things exactly one thing on paper it's it's a whole other thing for social prejudice and the people who ordain who can adopt and who can't Um, so yeah I want all of those things but at the same time I don't know whether I'd ever um, hire a prostitute because I have this issue in my head Again, my own opinion is that I don't think I'd be comfortable paying someone to pretend to find me attractive enough in order to have sex with me. You I know, totally understand. Yeah. You, I mean, from my perspective, I want that connection with someone. You know, I don't want the meaningless sex. Yes, I want to experience it, but I also want that connection. Yeah, I work I work with a couple of sex workers here in Toronto and I I have totally felt what you're feeling. My initial thoughts when I thought about working with sex workers was like, well, I want to find somebody the normal way, but the more and more I started working with sex workers, yes, it's not the same as a relationship, it's a working relationship, but and I found that it was a different kind of intimacy, but just as valid as say um a relationship so if you ever wanted to if you ever found someone that you were curious about and you ever had the means to do that i say give it a shot if you ever wanted to try because mm. it is something that i have been doing now for about five and a half years and... i mean i've never even been to a sex shop although funnily enough um, oh next time i come to australia if you haven't gone by the time i come back if you haven't gone by the time i get there we're going together well, funnily enough, you should say that because um, I subscribed to my local entertainment magazine online, and um, like what's around your area in entertainment, and um, and the other day it pops up that there's a shop, a sex, the first sex shop opening up in my in in my main street of my hometown. Oh, uh, so, you should totally go. Yeah, my friends and I are just going to check it out for a laugh. Do it. Do it. Well, <laughs> maybe you'll find something awesome there. Like, like a, I sent, I um, handed my phone to my friend who then decided to open the site and, and I just said, do not give my phone an STD. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess, like, like, Writing this from the perspective of something that hasn't been sexual yet, it has it kind of reawakened this desire to like, to like, to want to try these things more? No, not really, because it's always been there. Um, and I feel like it's always been there. It's always informed how I wrote the character of Sarah. And, um, but, Deep down, I still think that 
it'll never happen for me. But in saying that, I am more than happy to become a workaholic in this industry in order to in order to debunk um and kind of break through those barriers so that it's easier for the next generation of women with disabilities and all people with disabilities to find um intimate connections with people. You know, if it well, doesn't happen if it doesn't happen for me, I'm I'm going to chuck myself in so that it can happen for other people. That's the really you know, that is one of the most poignant things I think somebody has somebody with a disability who hasn't been able to experience sex has said about that and thank you so much for that honesty because I've never heard it positioned that way before and wow that wow speechless right now by what you just said thank you for that no need to thank me and it's like that is at the forefront of my forefront of my mind like again there are all different ways of there were all different ways of helping people and all different ways of breaking through those social barriers and you know it just so happens that um it just so happens that um mine's screenwriting and and I think it's important that uh people with the disabilities are seen not only in front of the camera to re educate audiences but also behind to re educate um storytellers as well yeah the fact that there were people with disabilities in front and behind the camera made this show doubly important because everything you did and everything we saw on screen was from the lens of somebody with a disability who had written disability the way it really is into that show and that's what made me like i was i have to tell you i cried like three or four times watching that show and in moments where you shouldn't cry, I was crying because I was like, oh my God, it's like, it, this is so poignant. This is so my life. And it's like, to see it on screen, it's like when, when, you know, when, when little, little adorable children of color see themselves in a version on TV. It was like that. I was literally like, oh my goodness, here's me. I was so excited to see it on screen. Like, I was watching it and I was, I was making tweets about how great it was as I was watching it. Like somebody needs to know how great it is. This is amazing. Um, it was such a powerful thing for you. What was your favorite scene in the, in the show so far? Oh man. Oh no. I think, um, I think, oh, I mean, there's so many great ones. Um, the, Reading porn at the pub was a great scene because um I've done that before. Like that instance is one of my experiences where I've been reading where I've taken erotic and erotic novel to the pub because there was that element that I wasn't gonna have a great time that like and I'd be so bored <laughs> that I'm just gonna open the book and read um and like and like doing and like. Like the the phrase the research is mentioned a few times, which is like a callback to her 
degree and like uh, I'd say something in the writers room and like they're like how do you know that and I'm like it's research and um yeah. like it was so out of like so out of the park that they're like how the hell can that be research and like so it's so that kind of came into um kind of that's kind of I think like Oh, she's studying sex stuff for uni. It's research, and like, as if it's not like slightly perverse. Um, but like, yeah. but like, I I also like um, you know, I also like the the scene where um where they're on the date and then um and then. And then Frank's like, well, we might as well have sex with each other because no one else is going to. And, like, she's, like, she still wants that connection, not just because they, they're both there. And that's, um, yeah. that's, I think, both, like, that's, I think, again, when gender comes into it. Not saying that women can't just want sex and get it over with, but, um, but, um, I think men are more likely to just want sex, not caring about. I mean, you you might not, there might be some precedent about that. You might be you might be you might definitely there might be again, some truth. Again, this this is just my research talking, but like, and and I'm not saying every individual male on no no of course, and not every individual female, but like just that kind of precedent where. I guess we were also kind of aware of the gender stereotypes. So we put that in and I kind of, I love when, I love, I love the um line after you said, at least I've been kissed before, you'll never have this and this and this and you'll never find someone to fuck you. And, and she's like, well, if you're my only option, I hope I never do. <laughs> Yeah, I like again. I like that. That I I love that Frank was just a, such a, a flawed character, but also a beautiful character. And I like that he wasn't. I like that neither of them were perfect, mm-hmm. and I like that. I just like the way they were written because they were human. And yeah. I don't think the same. The, I, I said the same thing to Ryan O'Connell when he, when I talked to him about special Ryan's character in that show is not great all the time. And I appreciate when we get to see disabled characters being fuckwits and being assholes and being. I know, I love it. I, I, that's my favorite part is that they're yeah, both, it's they're both so refreshing. Capacities to be absolute assholes. Um, yeah. And like, um, I think they need to be like, I kind of love. Um, the character of Isaac from Sex Education because he's such an arsehole but I love him because he's a guy with a disability playing an arsehole with a disability (laughs) and and like you it's kind of that character that you love to hate have you have you talked to George yet George Robertson no not yet I I I should connect I I would love to 
I would love to pop an email over and see if he's got a minute and see if you could oh chat. Oh God, that, that would be amazing. That would be absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, but, I'll send an email over to his people and be like, uh, you, you guys should connect because. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, like I, and like I, I read a lot about like the, the creation of his character and how much George, um, kind of created that character in the writer's room because they're like, we want to make this legit. How would, how do we do that? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah that, would be, that would be absolutely amazing. I will use my D-list skills and send off an email to, to people and be like, hey, you you guys should talk to each other and see what comes up with that because you really, and he, yeah, I well, had him I'm, on the I'm, show. I'm in the middle Sorry, of getting like a screenwriting agent so like I've had like multiple opportunities pop up so like so like that'd be the tip of the you know that'd just be amazing because then I could kind of go hey I'm legit so I will I will send off a little hello email the minute we're done recording I'll send it off because that I who knows but maybe maybe something because yeah. yeah. he, he was a sweetheart we did it we did an episode about his role in sexual education, uh, I want to say year and a half ago now. Um, but it's such a, just a sweet guy, and it makes that role so much cooler to know that he is, it's done by such a nice dude. Um, so yeah. as a screenwriter, you know we know that there are shitty roles out there for disabled representation. If you could, like, other than latecomers, which is amazing, but if you, as you continue your screenwriting journey as a disabled person, what kind of characters do you want to see on screen that aren't out there yet? Um, look, I really want to see, like, there's, there's kind of dayless characters in crime dramas that, like, that are in wheelchairs and there's, like, the de- they're like the IT person in it. Yeah, like the office. tech wizard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I would love to actually see the see. Um, I would love to create a character who's the main character, and she she is the detective in a psychological thriller crime drama. Um, but I mean, also, can we write that? Can we write that shit together? All right, that would you. That sounds great. I know. I um but like I'd also love to um like uh The Walking Dead's just finished and like I only got into it in, in July last year when I was like recovering from COVID. I was I was minding my parents' house, minding the dogs and the chickens. I'd done all of my uni stuff for the year, had nothing to do, and I ended up watching The Walking Dead. Um, and the it's character. Just a little light TV watch. Yeah, well, it's. I was scraping the bottom of like the COVID binge barrel. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, like, everyone would go, like, you've got to watch The Walking Dead, but I'm like, I don't like gore for gore's sake. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Eh. Um, I only got into horror a few years ago. Otherwise, it would still be too, too gross for me. Um, but like, like I got into it and I really enjoyed the character building and 
the um, relationship aspect of it. Um, and then when the character of Connie, who's um, a deaf character, but I relate, she's amazing, but I related her more from the, more from the fact that I feel like I see a lot of myself in her personality-wise and, and the fact that she was a journalist before um, the pandemic and then, well, the the zombie pandemic that is um and then um, and then like and then just like the last thing I related to was her isolation because of her disability but I would love I would have loved to have seen and and I know that they've got another disabled character on one of the spin-off shows but he doesn't I don't think he does that much except hide in the trailer um because he uses the wheelchair but i would love to actually see a main character who's in the wheelchair kind of see how they kind of navigate the zombie pandemic like how are you in my head right now i was thinking literally the same thing i was like like, that's like like my um like when my brothers first started watching it when it first came out he was like I love you, but you did wait, so I'd probably sacrifice you. <laughs> and, and but that like I'd make sure that you were covered in zombie guts and had like a bat or something, and just hit you like <laughs> behind bushes or something. But like, yeah, I would love to see a main character who's a wheelchair user and how they kind of they could also be ambulant because that's. The difference between um, this other character who just hides in the bunker or something. Yeah, yeah. um, I would love to see like an active disabled character survive a zombie pandemic. I mean, that's. I mean, that's a show all by itself. Can we? Can we? We should. I mean, SBS. Yeah, we can. We can do season two of Latecomers, but also. Spin-off show. I don't know. No, I'm kidding. Like, um, but that, I think that'd be great. I think it's just I've had a lot of time to think about this just because I'm like, well, you kind of have to be, I mean, people with disability are kind of innovative and inventive and kind of um, flexible because we, we've had to learn those skills in order to adapt to our... In order to survival. survive already. And so I'm like, well, let's put those skills in the zombie pandemic and see what happens. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of actually like right, just like kind of writing bits and pieces as it comes into my head around that. And then just like when I get my agent and become official, I don't care if they don't reply. I'm going to try and... um. Uh, go to like the walking dead creators and go like here's a story it's like a side story please do that and please film it and put it somewhere <laughs> oh my god yes um i was saying the other day i, mean, like, I put a tweet the australian background zombie the australian outback in the zombie pandemic i mean i would so what you don't even know how much i want to watch that already I put a thing out a couple of weeks ago. I said, I put a tweet out that was like, since we have all this new Star Wars stuff happening, 
why don't we have a Star Wars character that's a wheelchair user riding around on like a giant BB-8 thing that's I trying had, to figure out? I said, like, I said the same oh, thing to someone like a few months ago. Like you've got General Grievous, who's like who's like pretty much droid, but more. Um, it's almost yeah. like droid combined with human parts. Um, and it's like. Well, and if if Yoga can go around on his little floaty device, then why can't he have like a a disabled character with one of those floaty devices who's a Jedi? I would love I would love to see a disabled Jedi. Like oh, and I'd love to see how I would love to see how the let's let's talk to let's sorry, talk to think, Disney. I pitched it to um a producer who works at um Industrial Light and Magic um in Sydney just after we did the panel for like commerce. Oh, you did? I I just said it in passing. I'm like because obviously she works for the George Lucas's special effects company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. I love George Lucas's stuff, and I, and I think there should be this character. I mean, with all oh of the technology that we've got, there should be this character. And she thought, "Oh my god, great idea!" If that happened, <laughs> like you, I'm so happy you're in the role you're in because with all your ideas, like something else big is going to happen for you. And I mean, latecomers is just the beginning for you, I think. And I'm so. From one fellow CP person to another, like, I'm proud of what you've done. It's so good. And I can't speak highly of it enough. Um, I've run out of questions for you. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, no, not really. I, I do apologize for kind of talking over you once no, 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 <laughs> no. I love that we were talking over each other out of excitement and, like, excitement with each other no no it's fine um i mean like i i think like i've as i said i've received a few offers to come and um write stuff that um uh i can't talk about it just yet but the uk like and like maybe like one day be able to move to the uk because i feel more at home in the uk than i do with my own country i love it there the uk is great and george is great and i'll make sure the minute we're done recording i'm sending an email yeah. to and then to, and then the next time if you are ever in australia or in sydney please let me know i'm more than happy to come to you or you can come to me and i can show you where oh the minute well listen my 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 family likes a good nice glass of wine so if i said my friend lives you know by some wineries i'm sure we'd find our way there um, I've actually got two wheelchair um vehicles. One's oh, my, oh well then. <laughs> one's, one's my old car that we keep in case a new one breaks it down. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, we we can do that. Like whenever whenever you feel like it, be it, be, be it a business trip or a holiday, you know, let me know. Well, look, if somebody from, if somebody in Sydney, Australia wants me to come talk to your school and wants me to be there in person, I'm open for 20, for 2023. So if you want to hire me, like, 
Let's go. But Emma Myers, um, co-creator of one of the greatest pieces of disabled television ever, Latecomers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today on Disability After Dark. Um, you're, it was so fun to talk to you and for being so vulnerable with us as well. Thank you. Thank you. How can the people, for those of us, because it's only airing in Australia and Canada right now, how can yeah. people find the show? So in Australia, it's on SBS On Demand, and in Canada, it's on CBC CBC Gem. That's right, yeah. And I'll make sure to put links on where you can find it in both Australia and Canada. And But how can the people, if they want to follow you and follow your work, how do they do that? Uh, just on Instagram, it is EmmaPajama1994. Um, otherwise, you're more than happy to send me a friend request via Facebook, my name's Emma Myers, and yeah, or LinkedIn, and um, yeah, just get in touch. I'll make sure that uh, Andrew has all of the um information. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll put it up in the show notes too, so that by the when this goes out in a couple of weeks, everybody will be able to contact you. And and if anyone listening to this it has come has contacts in the entertainment industry and wants to um contact me to get it to their country, uh please don't hesitate. We wanna share this with as many people as possible. Yeah, this needs to go far and wide. So I know some of you out there that are listening have have entertainment contacts. So um yeah. Get in touch with Emma because this show is one you don't want to miss. And I'm I'm chomping at the bit for season two. Emma Myers, thank you so much for being here again. And we will talk in five seconds when I press off. Bye. Bye. Angus Thompson, hello. Hey. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you here because, dude, I just watched your show, Latecomers, the other day, and I was blown away by how much I fucking loved it. It was so good. I really appreciate it. You know, it was it was really really fantastic, and I'm so excited to like sit down and talk to one of the stars of the show, you. Um, I have so many questions, but I want but I want to start with, for people who don't know who you are, can you introduce yourself to us? Tell us who you are, what you do. My name's Angus Thompson. I'm from Bathurst, New South Wales. I'm a writer and actor. And known for the Angus Project. And now, like, awesome, awesome. And you obviously, you have Shreve Palsy, one of the best of the Palsies, the best of the Palsies, um, which is the coolest. Uh, so one of the things I want to, I like to ask all my guests so that people understand about their disabilities. Can you share with us how your disabilities impact your day to day? So how does your CP impact, impact your life? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm unable to walk to either get around in my wheelchair or I fall on my knees and 
I have co-workers come every day to help me eat and get around and do my job and just live my life the way I need to. Awesome. What and I because I also live with care, so I have the same kind of setup as you, and I have caregivers coming in and out. What is the the caregiving situation like for you over there? Is it like you hire your own, or is it like you they they get assigned to you? What's that like again? Living my life, I, I can employ whoever I want. Yeah. So I just get my mates to start China and we'll just hang out and party. And do, and do care. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's a scene in, there's a whole, well, there's a whole bunch of scenes in Latecomers where like your character has his mates do his care. So that's 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 basically true to life sort of that, eh? Yeah. Awesome. But, but as I'm getting older, um, before getting jobs and careers, so I've had to, I've had to help some companies in town to send People to help me when yeah. I don't have enough of my own people. Yeah, and that's hard. I know. I know what it's like when when you go from like people you're super comfy with and friends you're comfy with to like yeah. totally a new person. You're like, oh fuck, I got to spread this all over again. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> exactly where you are. Where yeah. I live right now, we're hiring a bunch of new folks, or they're hire the company's hiring a bunch of new folks, and yeah. they kind of come in and see you do stuff and you're just like oh god like, are you gonna stay cool like who knows so yeah where uh, where's you uh Toronto it's so you're heading into summer and we're heading into the depths and cold of winter right now it's freezing uh, I, I, I'm a big NBA fan do you watch the Raptors? Um, <laughs> I haven't watched them since I was very young, and I haven't. But I, but saying the Raptors is a Canadian, is a Torontonian. I'm like, yeah, cool, thank you, cool, we're great. <laughs> but yeah, haven't watched them since I was very young, and I am not the biggest sports fan, admittedly. But that's all. Um, so let's dive right into. Latecomers because I fucking loved it. it, and I would love it if you could tell us a little bit all about it and how it came to be and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was last year. One of my good friends, Jess Murphy, sent me a link for an SBS. Um. Which is SBS is a TV station in Australia, and yeah. they were they were advertising for uh, 
listening to the story being like wow you somebody sent you a text message and was like do this and so you and this show which is which i couldn't get enough of when i was done the six episodes i was mad because i was like where the fuck is six more why are, I watching, why, why are there more of them like, such an important show so the fact that it came basically out of like out of like hey you should pitch a thing and here it is now like i as a disabled content creator, like you must feel so proud to be able to put these kind of stories on yeah. TV. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, can you? So, so the synopsis is basically. Can you give us a little bit of a synopsis of what the show is about? What I. And my my character Frank, who's a bit American, he's a bit of a dick. He's a bit of a dick in the beginning. Yeah, a little bit. He's at the pub on a night out with him, mate, and. He ran into Sarah, uh, another girl who has several bones, and uh, um, the terrorists deciding to pull up that night. Frank and Sarah are rushed into conversation and 
Sarah are so like I know people like that in my life. I'm like, yep, yeah, I know this person, and I like I've been this person. <laughs> like, it's not very real. What was it like to? Because I've done a little bit of acting and I've done some stuff around disability on camera. What was it like to put that vulnerable stuff on the screen? <laughs> I I had a great director, Madeline Gottlieb, and she made everyone feel completely comfortable on set and made us feel very open and wonderful to be able to portray our characters in a very uh, uh, honest way. Yeah, very, very authentic. Like, I, again, your character, there were moments when I was like, I fucking hate this character. Like, he's, like, he's not even he's he's being a dick. But, like, I liked how real it was. And one of the things I said, I think I, think I said it in an email to Emma, who, if you're listening to this right now, you'll hear... Or you have heard. I haven't put the episode together yet. You'll either you'll either hear the interview or you will hear it after this. But well, I was emailing with her and I said, like, you know, you didn't shy away from making the character the characters fuck up and make mistakes and say the wrong thing. And I think when we see disabled characters on TV, we don't expect them to be rough around the edges. And I like that you played that. I thought that was really important. Yeah. Well. Well, we're just like everyone else. I'm a, I'm a light in the thirties. I'm, I, I like to drink and party and have a lunch when I'm just <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I don't think we should try away from what we love to do and and tell the rest of society how we live. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, <clears throat> speaking of having a wank, there's a scene, there's a couple <laughs> scenes in the movie, in the show, where you, your character definitely has a wank. I thought they that was brilliant. I thought putting that on screen was... I'd never seen another person with CP on camera, like, pretend to jerk off. I was like, that's so important because we never see that. And I I remember watching the scenes being like, first of all, Angus is killing it. Secondly, like, wow, this is important. Um, For you, like, reenacting, like, I've I've done a couple of sex scenes on camera, and I know how, like, nerve-wracking it can be. It can be really weird. Was it, like, obviously the, the directors made you comfortable, but for you, as a disabled guy, putting that on camera, was it scary? Was it exciting? Were you... Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting. Um, it was, it was the last time on set. And it was early in the morning. Oh, so you had <laughs> so you had the body just kind of wasn't anything they would already do. Uh, so I I said that the first 
fresh and strength is iron. No, uh, I, I think I have a lot more <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it fun to play kind of that like cocky, like, yeah, <laughs> was it fun to be like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go all out? It's just fun to play a character that just it did not do a fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it like for the able bodied people that you worked with on set who, like, um, the, I'm giving some stuff away here, but seriously, go watch it now. Um, what was it like for the 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 sex worker that worked with you in that one scene? Um, and just the other able-bodied folks on set, were they comfy with stuff, or were there discussions of like how to make them feel comfy with the material? Yeah. Um. Well, uh, the production before we started filming. We had an intimacy coordinator on yeah. set and, and, and there was a, there was a funny moment in her production where, where my director, the actress that was the sex worker, yeah. And, and, and our individual coordinator was, was rented a room at my hotel that I was standing to run through the section and make sure that we were all comfortable with what we were going to do. Yeah. That, it wouldn't look funny to the hotel staff. Oh, yeah, it must have looked fucking weird to anything else. It's just a bunch of people renting a room for the day to just go out for two hours and then come back down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, in working with, because I know when a lot of able-bodied people talk about sex and disability from the work that I do, I know they're uncomfortable. And I know they don't know how to, to like talk about all that. Did you find that they got more and more comfy with doing it, or did they have questions about sex and disability? Like, did the characters who played Elliot and like Le- and Sarah's care, or did they have? Questions or were they just like, okay, we'll do the material, whatever? Uh, yeah, we, we had a week of rehearsal before we started filming to go through the entire script and talk about each scene and what, what, what the, what the film was and Everything that really helped us become first and become yeah. comfortable with each other. And yeah. by the time we started filming, we got this. That's awesome. I remember talking to you about, about, um, 
bumping, I think, in the middle of the middle of last year, and you you couldn't talk about what you were shooting, but you were like, "Oh yeah, we're doing something special, uh, cool." So when I when I saw you on there, because I didn't I didn't realize it was you. When I saw you, I went, "Oh, that's what he was doing." Okay, that's awesome. And I was so I was so proud to be like, "Wow, mm-hmm. he's like this is such an important piece of work." One of my favorite things about the show is just how honest it was to and how respectful it was to disabled people in their experience and how it didn't I I couldn't get over seeing like two disabled people on screen who for real have disabilities really for real talking about the stuff they were talking about and I you know I've worked in media long enough to be like to know what it's like to put that out there for you when you saw it for the first time, were you like cheering with joy? Because I was. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such an honor to be part of this groundbreaking series. And it's an honor to be one of the first productions to portray disabled people wanting love and sex on screen and not being afraid to pull back from uh, the topics that might make other people uncomfortable because I'm old enough now to know what I want and not giving shit about anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I I just think that the 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 and I'm so proud of it. Like I immediately emailed you and and Emma after I watched it. And I was like, holy shit, this is the greatest thing I've ever watched. <laughs> Where if I more episodes, give them to me now. <laughs> what I liked about it also was that they weren't like traditional 22 minute episodes or 42 minute episodes. Like they do on TV, they were they were nice and short. They were really quick, and I like that because you. I like the way that you filled in so much stuff in twelve minutes or ten minutes. I was like, wow, they go through that. I love that, and also I think for people who might have other disabilities or invisible disabilities and might not be able to like sit and watch an hour show, seeing all that stuff in ten minutes is really cool. Yeah, and uh, I, sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, um, fingers crossed, we might be able to get another search. How and, do we? Who do I write uh, to? Who do I, uh, who do I speak to? Who do I? Just everyone, everyone, just. But it's this how much you appreciate latecomers and hopefully they hear everyone's voice and we'll get another season. I mean, I'm gonna, I mean, I, the minute, the minute I, the minute I was done, I went on my social media and I was like, oh my God, 
everybody, please go watch yeah. this right away. Um, where do you want your character if you get a season two? Not if, when you get a season two. Where do you want your character of Frank to go? Do you want what what themes do you, around disability do you want to explore more? Um, uh, I'd let him do the comfortable, comfortable way he is and in his own skin and not need anyone else's approval like he did in season one. Yeah, like he was so, he was so tied to his mates and what they thought of him and what <clears throat> him being cool and I kind of <clears throat> loved it when when Elliot knocked him down and was like well you're a fucking liar and don't <clears throat> do that and I kind of I was really I was really happy to see somebody call him out and you know and be like no you fucked up don't do that like, I, I was really <clears throat> I love that scene so much because in so much of disability discourse around anything when a disabled person fucks up nobody wants to call them out and that scene like that was really important because it shows that we're all human and even though we have disabilities we're not these angelic figures we make mistakes and we say the wrong thing and we do all that stuff and that's how my life has been personally I I can be I can be a cunt sometimes (laughs) No, come on, I can tell that. And my friends aren't afraid to come out and how much I fucked up. And I wanted to portray that in the character. Yeah. It was so, there were so many moments, even the little quips between you and Hannah when you. Like when when Elliot and and her care her friend were fucking and you guys were alone in the room, like making jokes and like the 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 crackling wit between the two of you was so <laughs> fun to see because I've had conversations with my disabled friends exactly like that and so it was <laughs> nice to see like the two of you on screen like playing with each other like that it was really really yeah. I liked that so much and we had great. Yeah, you really, yeah, hundred percent. I, you know, at the end of the series, I wanted, I kind of was like, why can't they date? But I was also happy that that you didn't go that route, and that Frank and Sarah didn't end up dating each other, and then it kind of went another way. Which, if you watch the series, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm glad that you went the other way and didn't put the two disabled characters together. Yeah, we didn't want to do what our audience would assume yeah. that we do. Yeah. We, we want to do, put the scripts on what would normally be expected. Yeah. Um... And, and I also wanted to tell a story similar to my own experience where I've 
tried so hard and been friends with a lot of those without ever without getting with and I didn't want to tell another inspiring story when that never happened to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that I think the I just think the realism of it and the honesty of it, like every time a new episode finished, because I watched it in one day, I watched it in like in like a one hour spurt, and when I was yeah. done, I was so pissed off. Because I was like, I want five more episodes. I love this series. I want so much more. Um, I think, you know, we're just seeing the and now knowing that that the character, the actor who plays Sarah, was only twenty three, makes me love her character so much more. Because holy shit, she really brought it. Like she was not afraid to bring it and be really real with it. Um, so please send her all my accolades and all my like praise and love. Because wow. Um, you know, other than this, other than latecomers, which is just groundbreaking, what other kind of stories around disability, now that you've done this, do you want to share with the world? Um, well, I, at the moment, my director, Madeline, and I, I became close friends shooting. Yeah. And now we're starting to work on a movie. Cool. Are you going to be like the leading man in like a rom com or like a a thriller or what? Yeah. I'm going to do about my own experience. so much <laughs> it's a great idea and if you if you need a friend in a wheelchair to come be in a, to do a cameo or you need like somebody to do some background work you want to fly me down to New South Wales for a couple of weeks and let me let me be your like best friend let me, let me know but I think I think that like, I, I love that you are not afraid to push the boundaries of what we see on on TV and in, in movies around disability I feel very like similar to you in that we have to push that envelope and be like, fuck it. Here's the reality. And like, I don't think I've seen a rom-com about sex workers and disabilities. I mean, I wouldn't classify the sessions as one. It was a bit too inspirational for my taste. So I think the fact that you're doing this is like a, a comedy and like a, to, to kind of take the piss out of, your, of, of yourself and the, the subject matter, I think it's really, really important. Yeah. 
friends in LA who listen to this so if you know anybody who knows Phoebe Bridgers um can we can you like give we can you be in touch to Angus and I we have got a picture and ideas <laughs> um, in, in February next year I'm down to Sydney to Lionel Festival and Phoebe Bridgers is Oh, you well, we have to get you an in-person meeting with her then to be like, what's my idea? I need to start a marketing campaign to try and get what that comes. I mean, if you want, I, I mean, I have a pretty lengthy social media following. If you need somebody to push that for you, let me know. And I'll definitely put that on my social. Yeah. I, I love that. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. And I would love to help with that because seriously, Phoebe Bridges, if you're listening, um, you need to get on latecomers immediately because it's really good. It's really important. And um, Angus is kind of hot in it. So you should, you should, you should get on it. Um. I just, I can't stop gushing over how proud I am of, of what you've done and what you put out in the world. And, and the fact that like, the fact that you don't take no any prisoners and don't give a shit. And it's like, this is what I'm going to do. And here's my story. I just think that you, what you've done with latecomers and what all of you do with that show has put disability and sexuality on the, on, on the map in a way that I don't think we've seen before or seen enough of. And I just, I'm so, as a fellow, person with cp and disabilities and somebody who makes disability content i'm so so proud of it and i can't i can't say enough thank you so much and that is the main that, that was our main objective in putting that comment and i'm really glad it's made an impression on it's like it's just to know that those stories I mean we know those stories are out there 
but we never get to see them. We never get to see versions of ourselves on screen. And so the fact that you did it just there's not there's not enough stories about disability and sex. Period. And then if there are stories about disability and sex, they're very sanitized and they're very like, oh, so and so has a partner. Look at that. It's so cute. Blah blah. This was like, no, we're gonna be honest about what we're doing here and tell the truth. And I think I think what what people will see when they watch Latecomers on SBS right now or in Canada on CBC Gem, uh <laughs> when they watch the movie, you know, they're gonna see disability in a different light. And you're shining a light on something that is that is so needed. And I, I just I'm dying for a season two. I'm chomping at the bit. <laughs> Let there be a season two. <laughs> and I. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, season two. Seriously, season two. <laughs> Three, four, five, couple, couple seasons. Because you know, I'd like, I'd like to see one of the one of the themes that I thought was really important that they sh- that you talk about in in the show with Sarah and Elliot. Spoiler alert: Sarah and Elliot end up dating. If you watch the show, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, I'd like to see the relationship between someone who is a carer and their disabled partner, and I'd like to see like those kind of conversations happen and what it's like when you maybe have to help your your disabled partner in the bathroom or maybe you have to help your disabled partner with certain stuff. I think being able to have another season to go deeper into that kind of stuff would be really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to love to explore that, that aspect. Yeah. I think, you know, because the way it's wrapped up right now is like, oh, they're dating. It's cool. It's cute. Whatever. But I, and which is great. But I'd love to go into more of like Sarah's insecurities, being the disabled girl dating the non-disabled guy, and then then Elliot's <sighs> fears of like, well, I can take care of of Frank because he's my mate, but this is my disabled girlfriend. How do I how do I offer her care without it being weird? And how do I still be like sex like sexually attracted to somebody that I'm providing care to and all the stuff that we as disabled folks, you know, think about and talk about all the time, um, but don't really get a chance to see on screen. tries to wrap her and it's bad and it's adorable. I was like, oh, that's cute because it's not good, but I like it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to explore uh, after 
totally right she could i mean she could right now the character could could like run circles around elliot in terms of intelligence so like yeah you're totally right and i kind of like that also now that i'm thinking about it i like that you know on screen depictions of disabled people they usually you know we we see them as feeble and not they can't really do much and it's you know it's ridiculous ridiculous characterizations but i like that now that you said that Elliot's kind of Elliot, the, the non-disabled guy is kind of not the smartest one. I like that you've kind of switched around. Like she's super smart, and he's a nice guy, but not the smartest. And so, mm. like, I, I like that you're kind of playing with that. Yeah. I I just think the whole the whole series made me smile from the minute I turned it on to the minute I turned it off. I was like, I want more of this. I'm probably gonna watch it again. I'm telling all my friends about it because I love it so much. And to get to talk to you today and to talk to one of the stars of such a great series was so much fun. Um, do you have anything else you want to tell the people? Um, yeah, I'm just not sure what like comments and stay tuned season two. I mean, obviously, there's gonna be a season two. Come on, SBS. Come on. Ending, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but I hope you. I hope also that that if it's over in the states, I don't know if it is yet, but if it is over there, I hope that like someone big sees it and you get to do the talk show circuit and you get to do like. <laughs> I would love to turn on fucking Jimmy Kimmel and see you there, like you know, Stalin, <laughs> and see you on there talking about makeovers. Like it would, that would be so cool, or you know. Are there big Australian talk shows that you want to do now that you've done the show and be like, hey, come watch? Um, we're done. We're have first life. It's just my Um, yeah, I love to be on that. Hey, don't on. In Australia, we even get to America and turn it into a festival. Yeah. And do, that would be the dream. To I mean, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, to, to anyone who's listening who lives in LA or like New York or like, those big cities where where all these things happen. Seriously, get on the show, get Angus and get Angus and Hannah on your talk show to talk about Lake Cummins because it is a groundbreaking series that needs to be talked about and needs a, a huge giant light shone on it. So I'm glad that I could use my little, little light of this podcast to put it out there. I'm so excited for you and, and proud as a fellow CP person. Like I'm so proud of what you did. Um, a little bit jealous that I didn't come up with the first, but I'm also <laughs> proud of you. Um, and I, I, I wish you all the best. 
how do how can the people listening if they want to follow you support you how do they get a hold of you um, I'm on Facebook, just Angus Thompson, and I'm on Instagram, uh, Angus Thompson, 1992. That makes me feel really old, because I was born in 84, but all right, all right, <laughs> that's okay, that's fine. Um, Angus Thompson, the star of Latecomers, the starring and co-creator of Latecomers, such a fantastic series. Thank you for spending your morning with me and for putting out such great work. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Bye. Yeah. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I was, of course, your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening and shining your bright light on disability stories with me. If you want to follow all my work and see all my links and all the cool stuff I'm doing, you can head over to my new website, aagerza.com. And all my stuff is there. My social links are there. My website is there. My podcast is there. Everything is there. And you can follow along with the show that way. If you want to leave a review for the show, please do so wherever you get your podcast. It really does help keep the bright lights shining on this show. If you want to support the show financially and get the show one day early, completely ad-free, as well as a shout-out on the air, consider pledging as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more by going to patreon.com slash disability after dark. Stay comfy, cozy, and crippled. And we'll shine a bright light on disability stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2023.